Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACC Sports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Hokey Smash underscore SD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. Good evening. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at at Main Street Farm. That's at M-A-I-N-S-T-R-E-E-T-P-H-A-R-M. And tonight we have a great podcast on this show i mean this is our 400th episode of the all sports discussion acc podcast this is the longest running independent podcast in the united states of america we have ken segura from the georgia tech beat he is just an awesome sports writer we we like him so much here on the on the podcast he he works for the atlanta journal constitution and as i said he covers georgia tech sports he started the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in 1998, and he's covered a variety of beats, mostly within sports. And you can follow Ken on Twitter at, at KSUGIURAAJC. Again, Ken, we are so happy that you are on the podcast tonight. And before we start the questions here about Georgia Tech, We'd love to have the listeners tell 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 love to have you tell our listeners about yourself, Ken. So th- thank you so much. The floor is yours, and thank you again for joining us on this great anniversary edition. Sure. Well, before I start, um, congratulations. That's four hundred shows is is a lot. It's a lot of anything, but certainly for podcasts, I guess I'm guessing that's going back seven or eight years at least. Yes. It's good. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. It's going back to 2013. Wow. That, that is impressive. <laughs> That's a lot of ACC discussions you've had. So congrats. I mean, and I know the commitment to, to doing this is it takes a lot. So, yeah, before we get any further into Georgia Tech and, and who I am, that's uh, – yeah, yeah, my congratulations. That's, that's some great stuff. We really appreciate your kind words. Thank you yeah. so much, too, for joining us. I mean, it's the guests that really make the show – and when we have great guests like you, it makes the content better. So thanks again for your kind words, and thanks again for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. So you asked me to tell a little bit about myself. Um, yeah, like you said, I've been in the Journal Constitution since 19, 1998. I've covered a few different things. I've covered high schools and the Falcons and news and what else? Georgia State and the Hawks, and but mostly Georgia Tech. Um, and I grew up outside of Chicago. Uh, I went to the University of Michigan. I've uh, been in Atlanta since 98 uh, at the AJC and uh, married with, with three kids. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the short version. So I hope that covers what, what your listeners might be interested in, if they are. I'm sure they love they love having they love having everybody come on here again, especially great guests, great, great guests like you that provide great content. So thanks again for coming on tonight. Uh, here's here's uh we just want to get your quick thoughts on Georgia Tech's 2021-2022 men's basketball season thus far. The floor. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, last year they uh, won the ACC championship. 
Moses Wright was ACC Player of the Year. Jose Alvarado was uh, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, you know, Moses unfortunately got COVID just before the tournament. NCAA tournament started, so they lost in the first round. But, but you know, it was Josh Pastor's fifth season, and I think that was the year that everyone was kind of hoping, waiting for him to make something happen. He did um, this year. You know, without uh, Jose and Moses, they're a different team, but certainly a weaker team. Um, they're ten and twelve uh, as of as of you know today Sunday. Um, they they just won their last ACC game, but it's it's been disappointing. I, th- I think anyone would say that. Um, it's you know besides they got some older guys, Michael Devoe and Jordan Usher in particular, who've been you know strong. Uh, Devoe was leading the you know Division One in scoring for a little bit at the beginning of the season, um, but beyond that, they're a little bit young, and I think you see that. Um, there's kind of been up and down, particularly you know some of the, some of the younger players. Um, their bigs, I think, as probably not, they probably haven't been as good as productive as, as, as Josh Passer was hoping or thinking. Um, you know, there you see the potential there, Rodney Howard and Jordan Mecca and uh, Saba Gigibria, but there's just not the, you know, the, the game in, game out productivity um, at, at either end, really. Um, and so I think, so that's forcing them to go smaller a lot, which they can be more efficient offensively. But when, you know, when you're, trying to defend, you know, Armando Baycott or whomever with, you know, a six, seven guy, it, it gets pretty tough. So um, they've got, I think, nine games left. Uh, they're 10 and 12. You know, I think they, they hope or are wanting to think that they're, they're turning a corner with some of the young guys, especially, and we'll see, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, and that's also, they, they, they miss Bubba Parham, who's, uh, who was expected to be a really kind of a glue guy, uh, add some scoring punch, but he's been out for most of the year. Um, so that's another factor, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, again, not where I think they wanted to be or hope to be. Um, and, and, you know, but I guess when you look at the way things are shaking out, maybe it's not too huge as a surprise. I hear you a hundred percent. All right. Thanks. You, thank you, Matthew. And, and Ken, I just want to echo, uh, Matt's thought. It's, it's an absolute treat to have you on our podcast. Um, I'm a Georgia tech grad, and, but I don't live in Atlanta. So I, you're, you're actually one of the reasons why um, I'll, I'll subscribe to the AJC is to, to read your coverage on, on about Georgia Tech. So I, I consider myself a big fan of yours and, and happy to have you uh, join us tonight. Well, Chad, that's, that's very kind. I appreciate your subscription to all my editor know that I've, I'm responsible for at least one subscription for the Journal yeah. Constitution. and hopefully they'll keep me around. Yeah, yeah good, good deal. Um, uh, I, I might have a, a few editorial comments, for, you know, on myself yeah, here, going please, through Georgia yeah. Tech uh, as a fan. So I'll kind of put my fan hat on here. Uh-huh. Um, you know, thus far this season, you hit on on some of the points where Georgia Tech, uh, especially the bigs, haven't played to the expectation. And, um, you know, only less than a year removed from an ACC title. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think that has bought uh, Josh Pastner, you know, some, some equity going into the future, but definitely this year is, is not what, it, what I expected a, as a fan. And it's been, it's been frustrating to watch uh, mm-hmm. for large portions of the season. Uh, you have your pulse on the Georgia tech men's basketball program. How can the program position itself for future success? Um, well, I mean, I think certainly going into next year, they're going to need to hit, hit the portal pretty hard. Um, you know, one thing that, I'm sure you've heard it now as a, as a Georgia Tech fan, Josh has mentioned this many times, but that, you know, because Jose and Moses took the time they did to decide whether they wanted to stay or go, I think that really impacted recruiting the portal because by the time both the 
you know, decided, okay, we're going to go, which I think Josh Pastor was fine with them, you know, taking that time, you know, a lot of the better prospects out of the portal that had already signed. And so that really limited their, their chance to, to restock. And they, like, they knew they wanted some more guards and, and bigs and stuff, and they, they couldn't get, you know, something they were, that they really kind of needed. Um, but, you know, I think this, this coming this, this spring, I think they're going to be working that and, and trying to get a big, probably someone, you know, maybe a stretch four who can place Cleveland is probably going to go, um, you know, more scores since Michael DeVoe is going to be going almost, almost certainly. Um, but then, you know, more broadly, um, you know, I, I think recruiting, which has gotten guys that certainly have been very, very good, like DeVoe and, and Moses Wright and Jose Alvarado, that just has to be a little more consistent. It seems, you know, there's times, you know, this coming, this past cycle, their November was a, was an example where they, they, they swung and missed. Uh, that happened two years ago, I think, also or three years ago. The class after DeVoe, um, the, the present junior class, they didn't get what they wanted. Um, and so, you know, Josh uh, talks a lot about getting old and staying old and, and you know, having one class replace the next and, and de- developing that, you know, continuity. But if you're not getting, you know, the, the steady flow of, of recruits, of signees, then it makes it a little harder. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's really where it starts. I think they've, they've proven that they can develop guys and, and, but it, but it takes some time. And so, um, but if they can get to a point where they're, they're steadily bringing guys, whether it's through the portal or through, you know, high school signees, that, that, that'd be a big, a big step, I think. Yeah. And those, those are great points you made because as a fan, when I, when I look at Passner, I've been, I've been less frustrated by his in-game coaching, um, as much as how he's putting his rosters together in, in various years uh, without that consistency of, of being able to bring in recruits or, or transfers that can contribute. Um, you know, he's definitely had some successes. Uh, Banks was a, was a very good transfer. Right. I think, I think um, Davion Smith mm-hmm. has, has been, a, had been a, a really ton of potential as a player. He's, he's obviously extremely talented, but the lack of not, finding a big in, in this class or in the transfer portal. Um, that has definitely been my biggest frustration. A little bit surprising because he, he came in from Memphis more as a recruiter than as uh, a, an in-game coach. So it's a little bit backwards from what I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think by and large, I think people were like, they saw how he recruited in Memphis and obviously I think it was easier there in, in some regards. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, he's, he's by and large, kind of preach that get old, stay old, you know, we're going to be like Notre Dame or Virginia where, you know, we're not going to get the blue chip kids, but we're going to get kids that kind of are under the radar that, you know, maybe Duke passes on or North Carolina passes on and, and work with them for three and four years and win with them when they're juniors and seniors. And and last year it was kind of the, you know, kind of he was able to prove it worked. I mean, Moses Wright was a guy that almost nobody wanted. Jose Alvarado really wasn't seen as an ACC prospect, but they became – um, legit, well, not more than legit, but you know, two of the best players in the league. Um, and and DeVoe, that's happened with, although he was a little more highly recruited. Um, Jordan Usher, you know, he was, uh, you know, didn't get a ton of playing time at USC and came and has become a, a solid ACC player. James Banks, as you mentioned, another one, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's you know, you know, and I, I guess you know, the 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 the, the, the thing with with. Moses and, and Jose taking a lot of time to, to decide. I think, you know, it's, 
I guess we can debate how, how legitimate that was, or I guess, or, or how much of a factor that was, but, but I think, I think it certainly played a role and yeah, it, you, you would love to have, you would think if they had a, a, you know, a big who was averaging, you know, eight and eight, they'd be in much better position than, than they are now. But, you know, that's, that's, I guess, unfortunately, neither here nor there. All right. I thank you, Ken, on that. Mm-hmm. Now let's go into uh, football and, and and my personal fan opinion of, of Jeff <laughs> Collins is uh-huh. let, let's just say that when he came to Georgia tech, my, my lowest expectations of where I thought the program would be uh-huh. um, that they are below, they're currently below my lowest <laughs> yeah. expectations. I'm impossibly frustrated, at least with Josh Pastner, he's got an ACC title. He's had players of the year. He's put guys in the NBA. He right. was coach of the year his first year at NIT. Uh, there's not a lot for a fan to point to with Jeff Collins in his first three years. Um, how important of a year is it for the Georgia Tech football program and Jeff Collins coming up? Oh, it, it's hugely important. Um, and I imagine you sense that, uh, you know, they've won nine games in three years. And, and like you were saying, I think expectations, not only externally, but certainly internally in the way things were, were communicated were higher. Um, this year in particular, I think there was a sense that they were going to turn the quarter and get to a bowl game. Um, but uh, they had a number of close losses. Um, but, yeah, and ultimately, but didn't get the job done. And, and on top of that, um, finished, you know, is about as dismally as you can. They were, they're missing a lot of guys, but still they lost 55 nothing in their name and then 45 nothing to Georgia. Um, and then they, you know, a couple of days after that, Jameer Gibbs transferred. Uh, they lost some key assistants, including Chard Choice. Um, so, yeah, it, but all that to say, yeah, as, as hard as it's going to be, I think this year is really important. They, I think, you know, if they can't get to a rule game, um, I, I think it'll be hard to, for decision. It'd be hard for Jeff Collins, I think, to get to another to get another season if if he if he can't show conclusively that things are going the right way. And I think that would I think I would think at the least, and and you know who knows how the season shakes out. Getting a bowl game will will be a part of that um, evidence. They'll they'll have to demonstrate. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Can you, we, you know, we know you have your pulse on the Georgia tech football program. How can the program position itself for future success? And I think you kind of mentioned that, that this year getting to a bowl or at the very least showing concrete improvement is where it starts. Uh, it's just starts by, by winning, winning more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for it to happen this year, um, yeah, you know, a few things are going to happen. But one, you know, Jeff Sims, a quarterback, is going to have to make another big jump. And 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 the funny thing, like I don't like it's not funny, but you know, not only did you lose Jameer Gibbs, but Jordan Mason who was his backup, who was all ACC. I think it's easy to forget in in 2019, he's also gone. He had a chance; he could have come back and used his his fifth year, but elected not to. Um, you know, there were you know Jared Ivy, defensive end, who was. Uh, one of the better players on the defense uh, is also transferred. Um, and then they've lost other, you know, besides they, they have, they're having to replace or they've had to replace, you know, more than half the assistant staff coaching staff. They lost their GM Patrick Suttis, but, um, but I need to get into the question. Um, they'll have to do really well on the portal. I would think uh, offensive lines have to get a lot better 
and they've lost uh, three starters there. Um, and then, uh, and then the defense is going to have to be much better. It was one of the worst uh, defenses in 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 the, in the power conferences, certainly. Um, and they, they they're going to try something different. Andrew Thacker, the defensive coordinator, is going to he's they'll do something a little unusual. I think he won't have position coaching responsibilities um, and to focus on game planning and that sort of thing. And and I think Jeff Collins will will uh, be more involved in that side, um, but. They'll have to be better, and and then like you know, the one reason to be hard is that the schedule is is really tough. Again, they start with Clemson, and then they play Ole Miss and, and UCF all in the first four games of the season. And you know, I would suspect they'll be an underdog in all three of those, and and probably most of the rest of them. So um, yeah, it's but you know, Chip Long was hired as an offensive coordinator uh, to replace Dave Patnode. Um, you know, if he can. I wouldn't say work work wonders, but you'll have to you know get that that unit to be much more effective, despite losing its best player. Uh, so um, that's that's kind of the you know at least looking at this this coming year. As far as in the future, um, you know I don't know. I mean I, I you know, certainly they'll have to make a decision with Jeff Collins whether he's the right answer or not. Um, but beyond you know if if he's not, then it goes back to hiring the right head coach, whoever that may be to replace him. Um, or, or, you know, if, if Collins does stay, you know, continue to give him what he's asking for and, and, and hoping that his new staff will be able to get things going. You know, certainly he's shown that Jeff Collins has that he can recruit well. He had a really, really strong class in 2020, you know, with, with uh, Gibbs and, and Sims. And he'll have to, you know, regain that momentum and, and get, things, get things going again. All right. Um, Ken, what are some of the measures that Todd Stansbury can take to position Georgia Tech athletics as a whole for future success? Uh, I know our first two topics today with basketball, men's basketball and, and football, a little, you know, definitely a little bit downer for Georgia Tech fans. But, you know, it's not all bad with Georgia Tech athlet, athletics. Yeah. Um, the the women's basketball team is, is at its highest ranking in the history of its program. Um mm-hmm. The Nell Fortner has been an absolute res- revelation as a as a head coach. She's got a team that's that's capable of getting it to an elite eight, maybe even a final four. Mm-hmm. Um, the women's volleyball team, very mm-hmm. good. Women's tennis team, traditionally very good. Um, and and that's what's going good under Todd Stansbury's leadership. But how closely will be he be tied to what Collins uh, to his 2022 season? Um, and he stated. Uh, it, you know, at the end of last year, that that Collins was it was his guy, right? Um, you know, it's it, it's 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 interesting. Like he's, you know, he, he this is his. I think I think you would call it his dream job. He's a Georgia Tech grad. He played football for for Bill Curry and and worked here for um, for Homer Rice. And I think it always kind of been angling to 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 get back to Georgia Tech and. Uh, and he's done a lot of very good things. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the volleyball and women's basketball and track are, are all doing really well. Or uh, uh, tennis is doing really well. You know, track has always you know had you know starters. Um, and then uh, and then on top of that, he's you know the probably the biggest thing he's done is he's had a the capital campaign that he led uh, did really really well. They they were trying to raise raise hundred twenty hundred twenty five million dollars and they raised one seventy five. 
which includes a renovation of their their headquarter building. Um, so yeah, so in a lot of ways, he's positioned Tech to potentially, um, you know, be in really good shape going forward. Uh, but uh, but to answer your question, um, like you said, yeah, he aligned himself with with Jeff Collins, and uh, I think, you know, if this doesn't go well, I'm not sure that he'll get the chance to to pick uh, Collins' replacement. Um, so this is a big year, not just for Jeff Collins and, and the f- football team, but potentially for, you know, the department as a whole in, in its future. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, but I mean, but beyond that, as far as like this, you know, the, the department being in what they can do next is, I think it's, you know, so much of it always is, is how can they raise more, you know, generate more revenue. You know, I think that the ACC network contract is helping, um, but, you know, I'm sure ticket sales for football aren't going to go very well this fall. They're going to need that to somehow um, improve. And, and um, yeah, they're actually in a deficit, you know, in terms of their their um, their fund balance. And so they've, uh, they're in a place where they, yeah, they need to raise more money and figure out different ways how to do that. Um, so, yeah, that'll be another challenge for, for Todd uh, going forward. All right, Ken, uh, you know, uh, definitely thank you for your insight into Georgia Tech athletics. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for our Georgia Tech fans out there and, and NC State fans tomorrow, uh, on, on Monday, NC State with their top five basketball team uh, will be playing Georgia Tech. Uh, I think the game is at six o'clock tomorrow. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye out. One of the best uh, ACC women's basketball matchups of the of the season. Um, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you as we, we close out the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you so much. And, and th- this is probably, <clears throat> this is kind of an add on Ken to some of the yeah. other questions because we kind of wanted to kind of wanted to go a little more global here because we are an ACC podcast and it's, and you touched on it a little bit. I mean, you talked about the ACC network rev- revenue from, uh, you know, from, from that source, but, is there anything else that you think the ACC can do to further position the success of the major revenue sports for the conference teams? Like what can they, what can the ACC do to generate other revenue opportunities for its member universities? The floor is yours. All right. Um, you know, I, I think certainly the ACC network is, is a big part of it. And they, you know, as almost all ACC fans know that, you know, they hadn't had Comcast uh, on online until a few months ago and, so that'll help a little bit too. Um, but I think, you know, Jim Phelps is, is, I think that's one thing he's trying to do um, is figure out other ways they can, they can, you know, add to the pot. Um, you know, I think, I think of things like the, you know, the, the alliance that they created with uh, the, the PAC 12 and the big 10, you know, they, they have the ACC big 10 challenge and maybe there's something else like that. You know, I, I had the opportunity to speak with, um, you know, Commissioner Phelps, the very beginning of his, his tenure, and that was something he talked about of finding, you know, you know, there's other ways, other way, things they can do is along those lines to uh, to generate more revenue. Um, you know, people always talk about, uh, at least, you know, football fans of the conference talk about, you know, is 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 the division alignment right? Should it should you go back to one conference, one you know, one single division like the Big Twelve has done? And if you do that, maybe you can add more league games and that, you know, probably gets you in a position where you're able to go to ESPN and ask, you know, rate, you know, improve that contract. Um, 
but I think, yeah, I think, you know, when I, when I had that conversation with, with, um, with Phillips, I think one thing he was saying, like, you know, kind of the sense I got from him is he was just trying to figure out other ways, other things I can do. Um, it kind of made me think, I forget who ever talked to us. It was a long time ago, but you know, and this isn't the answer, but it kind of maybe is sort of the, the way they maybe have to think of, you know, like the, the nets for the field goal nets, you know, that they raise after, you know, a touchdown or for, for field goals, they have the, the I guess he's like, he's just like the Allstate, I guess. Right. That has the, or maybe it's state farm that has the ads on the, on the nets. And like, that's like, that's something that, you know, no one would have thought of, or, or, you know, it was for years and years and years, it was just blank space until someone finally thought, Hey, we could sell ad space on that. And it, and it's kind of ubiquitous now. And I think they're going to need something that's probably a little more, uh, that can create more revenue than that. But it's something like that. They're just kind of outside the box thinking of, you know, where can we create more revenue that, that we're just not looking, um, you know, certainly, you know, the NBA, um, the NFL has done this too of, of putting ads on uniforms. And I don't know if, you know, college sports would ever get to the point. Maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's closer than we think, but things like that, I would think of, of just finding different ways to make money that, that you know, they haven't thought of, or, 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 you know, maybe it's, you know, obviously the sports gambling is out there and that's another, I would think is another possibility. It's obviously a very taboo subject still in a lot of ways with, with college sports, but, maybe that's something that they look into somehow, but, um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, the trouble is, you know, in, in the SEC, I think the, just this, you know, you look at this, the attendance and the, 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 the size of the fan bases, it, it kind of says is it kind of explains it pretty well is that, you know, I don't know that that's ever going to change dramatically where, you know, the, the, the depth of, of interest is going to match the SEC or, or, or the big 10 in the ACC. And so you got to, you know, be creative in that way and figure out other ways that, you know, cause they're obviously, I'm sure the ACC or excuse me, the, the big 10 and SEC are doing all they can to figure out what's next and how can we make more money that than we are now. And so it's to try to, to balance things out. Um, it's, it's going to, you know, the answer I guess is trying to figure out how do we get closer to that. And it's, I get, you know, who knows what the answer is, but I, I know they're working pretty hard trying to figure out what that would be uh, but it's maybe it's something that that no one's really considering right now very good ken very good thank you so much for your thank thank you so much for your thoughtful takes on everything tonight we really appreciate your analysis now we're going to close the podcast out we've got an open open microphone uh time segment and the floor is yours ken you can say whatever you want here <laughs> all right um i've been on once or twice with you guys yeah you've been on with us twice Twice, yeah. So yeah, so it's funny. I was, I was the first two times that you kind of caught me off guard. So finally today, I was like, oh, they're going to ask me about that. So I need to have something, something uh, to say. I don't know if this is quite what we're looking for. And I was, I was trying to think of something like more college sports related, but we are in the midst of the Olympics. And one thing that's always struck me, or not always, but is struck me is that, like the the winter Olympic sports, um, it's it's. It, it intrigues me like the, 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 like the, the best loser in the world or the best figure skater in the world. In some ways, it's, whoever, whoever it is, you know, they're deserving of the recognition, but it's always kind of strange in that like the pool of, and you call this person, you know, the best figure skater in the world and, and rightly so, but, but um, it, it's funny because like the pool that you're drawing from is just so small compared to, 
you know, like track, like the, the hundred meter champion, the hundred meter dash champion. Like, I think we can all feel pretty good about saying like, yeah, that's, that's probably the fastest person in the world. But like the, you know, if the, the, the if you're drawing from like a 10th of the world's population, it's probably even smaller than that. Like probably the best loser in the world is, is some guy from, you know, Houston that, that, <laughs> that never had the opportunity to, to try it. And so it's always, you know, like when you're, you can be happy for them, but I was, it feels like, you know, that you're, you're competing against a really small pool. And so I, I, I'm always, you know, it's a great accomplishment regardless of winning a gold medal, but it's, it seems all different to me to win, to be the, you know, to win a gold in, you know, the Nordic biathlon or whatever it is. And then it is versus like being the best soccer player and the best basketball player in the world. Fair statement. Fair statement. Yeah. A couple uh, of, of quick notes here. Uh, Miami, I think they made a great hire today, uh, getting the Michigan offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, uh, you know, who helped the Wolverines to the Big Ten title this year and won the Boyles Award as the nation's top assistant. And I've seen a, a couple of notes. Uh, I think they hired Steele as the defensive coordinator. Kevin Steele had the highest rated um, coordinators uh, in the ACC now, I, I don't know what metric they used from that, but I saw someone someone tweet that as well. And, you know, we talk about Miami over the course of the last seven or eight years. Every time they did something, you know, they they hired a Al Golden. Um, you know, oh, that's the guy that's going to lead him back. Oh, they hired Randy Shannon. Oh, he's the guy that's going to lead him back. Um, Mark Rick, oh, they hired a, a successful SEC coach. That's the guy that's going to lead him back. And Actually, in fairness to Rick, he got pretty far getting them into the top five at one point for uh, a brief moment at the, the end of uh, uh, the season a uh, handful of years ago. But um, I think Kostrobel, uh, the new coach, has done as well as you can – possibly do in in the off season uh, without actually winning games where, where that's where it all comes down to at the end of the day. But uh, getting a guy like that Gaddis from Michigan to come down to Miami. Um, yeah. It, it couldn't have gone better. I think for the hurricanes and, and, you know, we'll see when, when they start playing games, but I mean, there's as much optimism as you've seen in Miami with what they're, what's what they're doing in the staff hirings that they have made in a long time. I just thought that was a, um, you know that was definitely something that happened today. Just to kind of mention them getting Gaddis out of out of Michigan. It's not too often you see uh, an ACC school pulling from a, a a traditional power out of the SEC or Big Ten, but that that's what that happened today. Yeah, if I can add, actually, I mean, I, that it's interesting that as I kind of look at all these changes from a tech perspective, you know, they're you know most of the Coastal has changed uh, either at the very least coordinators, but in most cases staffs. Um, and what you see certainly is a lot of money being thrown around. And certainly with Miami, you know, they, they hired Dan Arikovich also from, from Clemson um, to be the AD. And it very much seems like they're making a huge commitment financially to, to getting that team and program to where it had been. And, you know, we'll see if they get there, but, but yeah, um, that's another one of those things that, you know, Georgia Tech has no control over, but, but it's in some ways, you know, and actually, you know, when a team is, is changing over its staff, it, there's potentially the, the, you know, the, the possibility that they're going to have to retrench and regress a little bit. But, um, but it seems like the, the 
expectations are higher and, and it, it, you know, it, it could make things harder, um, not just for Georgia Tech, but I think in, in the league as a whole to, to, you know, to be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing we know about, uh, you know, Dan Radakovich, even at his time at Georgia Tech, then going to Clemson, uh, he, he's not afraid to, to spend money on facilities and, um, right. you know, fundraise. That's that's definitely where his where his strength is at. So, um, yeah, my, Miami making making some great offseason moves. Very good, very good takes. So I'm just going to use my open microphone. Uh, to talk like a fan here just a little bit here. Uh, shout out to Virginia Tech Hokies for winning three in a row. I didn't I didn't expect the win at Florida State for the Hokies. That's the first time the Virginia Tech men's basketball t- uh, team has won in Tallahassee since 1990 and followed up with uh, two, adi- two additional wins. So it's, uh, it seems to be Mike Young seems to be riding the ship a little bit here, and I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy. Pretty happy, pretty pretty happy to see that. Can uh, do you think you think Virginia Tech can rattle off a few wins to maybe put itself into NCAA tournament contention? Because I kind of left, I kind of didn't think it was going to happen, and all of a sudden it seems like there's some life life in Blacks. Um, I can see it. I mean, you know, you look at the rest of the schedule. Uh, you know, obviously Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Virginia. Uh, they're all at home, actually. It seems like games you can win. Um, Carolina, obviously, kind of up and down. Tech is – they've already beaten them. Um, and the Miami, Louisville, Clemson, all, all teams they can also win. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I saw them on uh, last week, uh, yeah, I love the way they're moving the ball, and, and it seemed like, you know, they're creating shots for one another. And they, obviously, Kevin Aluma is one of the top players in the league. Uh, you know, I guess part of it now comes down to – you know, does does eighteen nineteen wins in in this league this year? Like, how much kind of currency does that carry with the selection committee? Um, it's the, the ACC. I think we can mostly agree is down unless you're Josh Pastor, in which case you think it's the best league in the in the country. But um, but I don't know. Yeah, it, I think it, maybe you get to that point and, and do something in the tournament uh, in the ACC tournament then. I would think there's there's a there's a chance for them, um, but uh, but yeah, the way I saw them play uh, last week, I, I would I would certainly think there's there's a good chance that you know the way they defend and and, and you know just are are, are so efficient uh, offensively. Very good, very good. Okay, well, Ken, thank you so much for joining us on this special anniversary di- edition of the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast, our 400th edition of this podcast. And we were honored to have you come on the podcast tonight. It's always great to have somebody who has such great knowledge of, of, of an ACC school, in this case, Georgia Tech, and somebody who is so competent at his trade in, in you on this podcast. And we loved having you come on the show. So thanks so much for joining us, and we really appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, and again, congratulations. 400 shows is, is a credible accomplishment in, with, with podcasts, so uh, well, well done. We really appreciate your kind words, and thank you so much, Ken. Have a, gr- have a great week. All right, thanks. You too. Take care, guys.